Welcome to Talking Kotlin. On this episode, we're speaking with Neil Powers and Simon C. from Hootsuite about their adoption and use of Kotlin. Gentlemen, welcome to the show. Thank you very much for having us. Yeah, thank you, Harry. Yeah, it's great to have you on. So before we get started, give me a little bit of background about yourselves. Neil, you want to go first? Yeah, uh, so uh, I'm an Android developer here at Hootsuite. I've been here for almost a year now, uh, developing Kotlin in all of that time, actually. And uh, I've been doing a lot of work on our Android app and recently been doing some work in uh, AWS Lambda for cross-platform applications. Yeah, and uh, my name is Simon, and I was formerly the lead Android developer on the mobile team, but now I'm the dev manager on the mobile team. Uh, I hired Neil around a year ago, and I've been here at Hootsuite for around around two years. Uh, we started off with Java development, went to Kotlin development kind of halfway. Uh, prior to that, I was doing Android development for another company that did conference apps. And that's kind of my foray into Android development. Can I ask which company that was, if you don't mind sharing? Yeah, it was a smaller company called uh, Quick Mobile here in Vancouver. And they targeted their Android apps uh, more so for the enterprise market. So more customized for the enterprise like Intel, IBM, uh, large companies, large Fortune 500 companies. And of course, now you guys are at Hootsuite that does something related to Twitter, right? I know, but let let the audience, if you could just share with the audience what you guys do. Yeah, sure. Um, so Hootsuite is a social media uh, platform uh, to help manage uh, social media marketing, actually. This, but we uh, tackle lots of different portions of the market. Uh, we have two primary, actually, several primary features where the first one is to try to engage with the social media audience. So from Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, so we can listen to what's actually happening. The other portion is, I know and you can talk about speaking, it's called the publishing portion to help plan out your social media uh, strategy. So you can plan out when to take out, to send out certain messages. Uh, in the very end, we can also analyze all that data that comes back when we provide analytics to our customers. So they can quickly verify, okay, was certain campaigns successful or should we try something different? Regarding Kotlin, of course, I think that Neil, you and I started speaking about this some time ago, uh, yeah. that you were doing some things with uh, Kotlin. And uh, of course, we were speaking about KotlinConf as well that's coming up in November. Uh, and I was encouraging you guys to submit something around that. And so, what, Simon, you were here before Neil, right? Because you mentioned that you hired Neil, yeah? That's right. How did the whole Kotlin process start at Hootsuite? Yeah, so maybe at Hootsuite, it started actually just before um, the official uh, 1.0 release of Kotlin. But even before that, when I was at uh, Quick Mobile before, I had seen and heard about Kotlin. And still, I was really skeptical. I wasn't very used to that syntax. I looked at it. I was like, mm, it still seems quite uh, a little bit off. It was around 2014 uh, and 20 uh, late uh, in, uh, in 2015 that I saw Kotlin for the first time. And... Our stack just didn't seem to want to have it adopted at that time. So around 2016, we had one of our developers who was actually a Scala developer that said, hey, Simon, we should start taking a look at Kotlin again. And I said, okay, sure, let's take a look at it. And it just so happened that the milestones were already hit hitting for the actual official release. And we had to sit down to talk about all the discussions about what is going to be good about Kotlin, what's the interoperability. And the document from Jake Warren from the previous year came up again as a argument point of adopting 
Kotlin in our code base. Yeah, that we, we owe a lot to that document. Uh, so many people have mentioned it every time. Mm -hmm. And I remember when I was talking to Jake initially, I'm like, you, you know, dude, like, thanks for the document again and and again and again you know? like, um so yeah a lot of people have used it as a reference which is which is fantastic right so and nowadays it's like you want to launch a product yes get jake watson to write a kind of like a deep dive about it and analysis of it <laughs> that'll, that'll be <laughs> yeah we actually had a lot of support from uh, other scala developers um within the company um because scala wasn't a great language for mobile that seemed like it was a good fit especially when it was so well integrated as a into the tooling of our development but you said that initially when you looked at it some things put you off regarding the syntax and then mm -hmm. that's kind of curious because like what was it specifically because we tried to make it as you know similar to existing languages as possible namely Java and C sharp in a sense, right? Yeah, no, absolutely. We when we started looking at it, actually, a lot of our team was quite, uh, I'd say, junior in, in the development space, and me introducing something like that would have been quite drastic for them in terms of their mindset and how to actually think. So I thought that bringing it in would really confuse them, confuse other people that wanted to add things to our platform in my previous company. So. I just thought that it wasn't uh, the time yet. And when I started Hootsuite, our team was also just rebuilding and gaining new developers. And it just wasn't the time to kind of bring in a new language, a new stack for us. And is that your experience as well a little bit, Neil? Or did you know Kotlin before you joined Hootsuite and started working on it? I did, yeah. I had uh, read a little bit about uh, Kotlin and actually a lot of the kind of design philosophies really resonated with me. Um, you really feel on Android development, especially being stuck in such an antiquated kind of Java environment, you miss things like lambdas and even from other modern languages, being able to pass functions around, um, having a stronger type system for nullability. The, these things really appealed to me. So uh, I think it was about a month before I started at Hootsuite uh, full time when Simon messaged me saying that they had decided to try out Kotlin and experiment with it. And I was uh, really happy and, and started running through the cones because uh, it was something that I had read about. But of course, it's a big undertaking for any company to take. Uh, so I was happy to do it more than just playing around with it. And did you find it hard to hire Kotlin developers, Simon? Or, I mean, you knew Neil from beforehand? Um. Yeah, so we actually didn't find actually a problem with that. Um, maybe it was just the timing with it, but um, lots of people have either hadn't heard about Kotlin or the ones that were applying were actually very interested that we were using Kotlin. And it was actually in some way a selling point for us um, for some of the really good talent that we were trying to find. Um, in terms of actually hiring them, it wasn't a problem. After having the cones and having the confidence after using it for a little bit, we just thought that the the adoption, the learning curve just wasn't actually that high coming from a developer that probably is very familiar with uh, lots of good practices. And what is your application right now? I mean, it's, um, I'm assuming that, you know, that the main usage right now uh, regarding Kotlin is on the Android side. We've used it um, in all of our libraries. So we develop in different feature libraries and we've used Kotlin and mostly uh, all of those. So maybe actually Neil can talk more about that. Yeah. So uh, we uh, at Hootsuite here on the Android side, we do kind of library driven development. So 
the app is broken up into a number of sub modules. And so we started off with Kotlin writing just certain new features in their own sub module in Kotlin. Uh, and since then, we've really started to write 100% of our new Android code uh, in Kotlin, as well as choosing certain legacy parts of the Java code base to convert to uh, uh, Kotlin as well. So uh, other than that, we are hoping to spread Kotlin beyond into kind of the microservices side, into perhaps a Kotlin React Native application. But in production right now, it's it's Android code. First time I think I've heard the term library-driven development. So I'm trying to wrap my head around that. Are you are you speaking more in terms of like subcomponents that you can share across different Android applications or something different? Uh, I love the term. I'm just trying to establish what it is. Yeah, so our, our director, uh, Paul Coles at uh, uh, Hootsuite actually came up uh, with us. He had probably done this at his older company. He said he wanted all of our main code base of our main app to be broken up into much small, smaller pieces that could be consumed by other applications, but also to speed up development because there's just so much features that our company wants to work on. And it's hard to have it in just one giant code base. So we split it up into lots of core modules, uh, what we call verticals, those major features that split up the 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 network stack, the store, the persistence, and the main front end of the whole feature. So we have whole features of our apps in their own libraries that have their own sample apps that can just run by themselves. And this actually makes it super easy for us to integrate and actually scale development across different teams at Hootsuite. So you're saying that you're splitting things vertically as opposed to horizontally, right? So you're not like you don't have your lower stack and then your uh, you know middle tier and then your UI layer. You're you're doing the vertical slices, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So we ha and we have some some horizontal slices, say for our core networking layer, uh, as well as other kind of tooling. So we have our own logger. And, and things that are kind of plugged into each each of the libraries individually. So essentially you would say, and forgive me for bringing up the term, but you're kind of like doing microservices, right? Except you're not calling them services because they're not so much thought of as the way that we think of microservices. No, it's, it's kind of like a, I mean, if you think about it from the terms of self-contained functionality focused on a specific domain slash vertical, essentially it's the same thing, right? Yes, absolutely. I, I think it really aligns with, because uh, the Hootsuite team at large is really service-oriented now, and I think it really aligns with that kind of philosophy. Uh, to give you an example, Simon wrote, uh, broke out from the core app the authentication piece as a library. So now if we were to, say, develop another app, we could easily plug that in, and it's it's kind of an authentication service that authenticates against Hootsuite servers for any app. Okay, and for example, for Hootsuite, I mean, I imagine because you say that you manage your social media sites, etc. From a from, I'm assuming that you have something like a scheduling service as well, right? Is that another kind of vertical that you have in its own self-contained uh, functionality? Uh, yeah, so our we have what we call the publisher app. And uh, that is in a separate library. And actually, it's, it's a number of interacting libraries. And that case is actually interesting because we, Simon and I, are part of the core mobile team. But we actually have two Android developers embedded in that team that maintain that vertical. 
and they interact and contribute to our libraries. And you have more than the Android side, you have a web interface as well to Hootsuite, right? Or is it just Android? No, it's it's uh, Android, iOS, uh, the web. Okay, and the web also uses these same libraries? No, so for the web, they have their own kind of service-oriented architecture, which our libraries interface with, usually via something like retrofit uh, REST calls. Yeah, okay, so there is obviously, yeah, I mean, in, in the sense that, you know, the, the core code is the same, it's just using a different interface to, to call it, right? Yes. Okay, and you said that a lot of these libraries are now written in Kotlin, is that correct? That is, and all, all the new libraries are being developed in Kotlin. In terms of the Android application, what percent is written in Kotlin, would you say, roughly? Is that of new code or of existing uh, code? I'm just saying, like, if you take the entire application, what percentage of it would be Kotlin? So uh, the last time I checked, and we have quite a large legacy Java code base to deal with, but uh, I think we were up to about 10% uh, Kotlin code across the entire Android ecosystem. And you see that gradually growing? I mean, are you replacing code or you're just keeping new, adding new functionality uh, with Kotlin? Well, we're adding new functionality and a lot of the times we're, we're pairing a refresh of a feature with a architectural overhaul. And that necessitates taking out a lot of the legacy Java code. And of course, due to the expressive nature of Kotlin, percentages are hard to say because you might remove 2,000 lines of Java and add only a few hundred lines of Kotlin. Very good point. Very good point. Yeah. <laughs> if you don't, uh, uh, Hari, if you don't mind me uh, also adding to what Neil just said, um, we did a lot of, uh, we have these special ops projects that we do in our company. And we spend a lot of time in a way refactoring and making some of that core code um, that is essential for all of our apps uh, into Kotlin. And they we wiped out a ton of code in Java and made them into Kotlin. And um, they're way better contained uh, and they run way better the apis are much better and it's due to a lot of the kind of removal of either boilerplate or the expressiveness of kotlin to be able to just say to write sort of a faint a chain of functions instead of having callbacks and callbacks and callbacks if you're using kotlin or planning to make sure you check out kotlinconf a conference taking place in sunny san francisco on the 2nd and 3rd of november 2017 it's a two-day event packed with Kotlin content by industry experts with keynotes from Andre Breslav and Eric Meyer. So whether it's back-end, front-end, mobile, or native, Kotlin Conf is the place to be this year. That's kotlinconf, C-O-N-F dot com. Hope to see you there. And any of these libraries that you write, uh, even if right now that you say they're in Kotlin, pure Kotlin, are you actually calling them in any of your legacy applications with Java or are all the calls directly with Kotlin? Uh, most of our new code, like I said, since we're pairing with an architectural overhaul, most of our new code is actually calling new architecture. But uh, we have called a lot of Kotlin from Java as well, especially as Simon said, we refactored some of our core networking models to be Kotlin. So they're kind of used across the board and are now being called by Java as well. And the reason I ask this is because, you know, the, the next question is regarding the interrupt and, and the interrupt from two aspects. First of all, you know, do you have any issues? Have you run into any problems with it? Uh, and the second question is, how do you design it? 
when you're designing these libraries, because you know we always talk about the idiomatic nature of a language, are you designing in an idiomatic way for Kotlin consumers, or are you keeping two interfaces, or you know, or just doing a single interface that is more uh, classical, traditional, so to speak, that can be used from Java or Kotlin? How are you doing that side of things? Uh, our philosophy has been design as if designed for the future essentially and and we envision a, a Kotlin future so if one of the two java or kotlin callers have to suffer we suffer for lack of a better term we we make java bear the brunt of that so uh, say you have uh, functions extension functions which syntactically from calling from kotlin are, are very clean and neat and from java you have a little extra uh, syntax yeah exactly so we've, we've always designed it such that our kotlin to kotlin code is the the first class and the java calling kotlin is lower one thing that we found out after a few months of development in kotlin is that as we develop for kotlin it's kind of like that snowball that just gets momentum and more momentum the more we write towards interfaces and using the um, the optionals more and more that we get way more benefit from that in either in the tooling from java or just within the kotlin code uh, so it just makes way more sense for us to have more and to write towards a kotlin idiomatic code and how many developers are you right now at hootsuite roughly um so yeah and as uh, Neil had alluded, we actually have two major teams at uh, Hootsuite. Um, the major, co uh, the core team has four developers. Uh, I do some of the little development, so I could be a fifth. And then we have two developers on our publishing team, so around seven in total. Generally, they're being uh, receptive to Kotlin. People are picking it up and using it. Actually, this is a, a good topic. Um, because we have two different teams, they're actually run by two different uh, directors in development. So our team actually adopted around a year uh, earlier than they did. Um, and that sounds like a long time uh, because uh, we had introduced Kotlin really early and it was still a very skeptical kind of uh, move from our side because we wanted to move something ahead that even Hootsuite was probably not uh, ready yet. So when we introduced it, actually some of our um, higher up VPs were like, oh, we have a new language. And they were surprised, but not in a particularly negative way. They were kind of supportive, but they wanted to kind of test the waters. And we talked to the directors of the publishing team. And he was at the first, he was saying, you know, let's let's kind of wait it out. I think there's something here, but let's give it some time. And, in, and around the beginning of this year, we started seeing the other publishing team to start writing more Kotlin. Now they've been actually interacting with our Kotlin code base in Java. So they've already been used and exposed to Kotlin. They just haven't been uh, writing in Kotlin. Yeah, the reason I was asking is because when you said that you were you know, leaning towards the future of Kotlin, I was just wondering how much are you jeopardizing the existing developers that aren't actually using Kotlin? Uh, but um, it seems that uh, it's not that much, right? Because you said that they're using the APIs anyway. Oh yeah, and from a from a developer perspective, I think uh, the developers have been overwhelmingly happy with Kotlin. Even even those developers on the publisher mobile team who they weren't using it in their stack uh, would come to the Kotlin guild and would almost not be envious per se, but certainly. They were happy with any amount of Kotlin that they could write uh, and wanted to write a lot more. So 
it's really been from the ground up in a lot of ways that's been pushing that team to develop Kotlin. The developers are pushing for it uh, kind of every every day. We we initially earlier said that you know you are using these creating these libraries that are then being consumed by the web with their own interfaces etc. But are you generally starting to adopt Kotlin outside of the Android teams as well? Yeah, I think in the general case, no, uh, because we this not been really tested in our backend systems. So we did uh, our one of our thoughts is um, to actually extend our backend services from a Scala Go. Um, heavy service to maybe starting to try Kotlin. Um, reason is being just trying to enable more developers to develop on the platform to bring in features quicker rather than having to rely on a lot of other teams. And actually just recently, I think just last week there, or the week before, Kotlin had just uh, in their blog had released a sample with um, Kotlin for as a backend. And then Kotlin also as a front end for React. So the React portion is very interesting. Um, our team has some discussions about it. It's actually a very fun, uh, a fun discussion we have over the front end, but we're actually really interested about the back end. So we're trying to find out what kind of libraries or things would be really helpful to actually make a really good back end and scalable service using Kotlin. Yeah, I uh, if I could add, uh, so we use uh, Dockerized microservices here. We use Docker to run the containers that run the microservices. Uh, and we have an upcoming hackathon next month, which is something that I, I've really wanted to and talked about to Simon about uh, experimenting with writing a Kotlin backend service, get it into a Docker container, get it deployed, uh, just kind of as a proof of concept to see if that gains traction beyond the Android team for, for Kotlin development. I still find it interesting why there is a little bit of resistance in terms of adopting Kotlin for things like backend and and anything that's outside of Android, you know, given that historically, as we all know, Kotlin was never initially targeted for Android. Uh, so it is interesting for me, you know, like you'll use it for Android and I'm not saying you, I'm saying in general, you know, companies will use it for Android and for the application that's being used by sometimes millions of people. But then when it comes to backend or other things, it's kind of like a little bit of resistance of, yeah, maybe not just yet. So it's interesting to, you know, for, for me, it's kind of like, what is the reasoning behind it? What is the major issue that is pushing you back at times to do that. Yeah, Hadi, if I um, I can answer that. And uh, from Hootsuite, uh, we've actually invested a lot in Scala. And um, actually, it was a it's a really good language for us. And I guess because it's had so many years in development and iterations that they feel very, very comfortable at the, the language that it's invested, that it's going to be for a long time, there's going to be new stuff. And um, Go as another alternative is because, well, Scala development is very good, but it's not everybody that can actually write in Scala um, to train up and be a really, uh, to write idiomatic Scala code. And Kotlin is, though it's been around for many years, like what, 2011, 2012, um, it hasn't gone that big spotlight until like last year as a 1.0. So a lot of our executives and our, our VPs are just not, they're very, I guess, wary, even though that it's really supported by JetBrains. And I think I understand that a lot of the stuff that JetBrains writes now is in Kotlin and the legacy stuff is still in Java, uh, some of it. So um, that's why we're trying to kind of push it forward, try to push the envelope, try to really show that um, there's other ways um, and it doesn't maybe Scala is a still a great language and we could supplement it with a lot of other Kotlin services until, you know, we have 
a good polyglot of lots of different types of services written in different languages. Yeah, and that's a very valid point. And, and you know, we have always said that, for instance, if you are happy with Scala as a whole, you really don't need Kotlin, right? I mean, essentially, what you're doing in, in Scala, you know, I mean, sorry, what you could do in Kotlin, you could do with Scala, right? Uh, so from that perspective, absolutely valid. Right? No no arguments there. Uh, it's It's more... I was thinking more around the lines of, you know, this is a greenfield project, for instance, right? Because a lot of times we do encounter this, right? Is this a greenfield project? Is it Android? No. Okay, then, um, well, I'm not going to use Kotlin. Why? <laughs> you know, it's not about Android. Uh, so, but it is starting to catch on. And I think a lot of the things that uh, some of the frameworks are doing around the backend, like, for example, uh, Spring, you know, we've got our own framework. I, I recently folded Wasabi into Ktor, which is this thing that uh, my colleague Ilya and a bunch of others at JetBrains are working on. So I think that slowly we'll get there, you know, just make it, make people understand that it's not just about Android. Uh, so that's a, yeah, it's a road. It's a challenge. <laughs> it's great, yeah. you know. So one thing I wanted to ask you, and I, and I said that I'll ask you this uh, at the very beginning, because obviously you guys are doing applications that interact with social media, right? And namely, I assume that that's going to be, you know, uh, Twitter, Facebook, uh, Google Plus, and what have you. I don't know if you're on Snapchat or not. So I, I don't know if it if it makes sense because if you schedule something on Snapchat, it disappears, right? I mean, I, I don't, I don't, I'm too old for Snapchat. Um, but so, you know, there's been a lot of controversy regarding uh, Twitter and specifically from a developer perspective. As a company that you know, depends on APIs that are provided by companies such as Twitter. Has that been challenging for you guys or are you more or less coping with it okay? Um, yeah, we actually, um, we have lots of business partners within our company that will actually work with the different social networks like Twitter, uh, Facebook, Instagram to make sure we actually have a good uh, API to work with. So sometimes, yeah, there are some public APIs that you can see on uh, the website. And sometimes we actually get some extra um, integrations into the social networks. And that's been very, very helpful. We actually have to continue to build that relationship with Twitter. Especially, yeah, Twitter's APIs hasn't um, hasn't kind of gone very good and they haven't, haven't really improved. And yeah, as Twitter is, I guess, uh, not growing as fast as Facebook, uh, we have also been evolving our development to target the where people really care about, which is like Facebook pages, uh, Instagram, LinkedIn, the like, different types of social networks. So we don't spread ourselves too thin. And we do understand that Twitter is still kind of a big platform for a lot of people. But from a developer's perspective, they seem to be shaving off a lot of their kind of uh, APIs or source uh, resources to other other companies. Yeah, because they recently sold Fabric to Google, did they not? Yeah, they, they did. did. That's yeah. right. Yeah, which is completely strange. Like, is, uh, I was uh, I was I met one of the actual developers at uh, at a conference in the US recently, and she was at a company that then got. Uh, she was working on some product that then got purchased by Google. I can't remember the name. Then she went to work on Fabric, and that got purchased by Google. And we're like, okay, where are you going to go to next? You know, maybe <laughs> we should invest in that yeah. company. So, 
and and what about this new social network that's called I don't know if I'm saying this right, but it's Mastodon or Mastodon or something like that. Yeah, so, Mastodon. Yeah, yeah have like, you heard of that? Yes, I have. It's like that open source uh, Twitter um, Twitter platform, right? <laughs> Yeah, we haven't actually looked into that, I guess, because it hasn't gone like some sort of uh, like it's been talked about like on The Verge or like some of the um, our techie kind of uh, sites. But it hasn't, I guess, really gone a ton of um, spotlight from any particular thing. So from a developer's perspective, it seems very interesting. But from a business perspective, um, there's not a lot of interest in there. Not a lot of people on there that we're interested in uh, serving. Yeah, it's it's kind of like there's there's been a lot of uh, noise around it, and what what one of the interesting things, of course, is that it's distributed. So, uh, you know, if you go to mastodon.social, it's you can't join there anymore. You got to go to mastodon.network and see if you can join there. And uh, I, I've played around with it. You know, it's kind of like everything. As soon as something comes up, let me just reserve my name just in case yeah. that tomorrow <laughs> I could sell it for one billion dollars. And so far, no one's ever offered me a billion dollars for my name anywhere will handle yeah so yeah let's going back to a little bit in terms of kotlin uh what is your future plans right now with kotlin i mean what are some of the interesting things that you're doing with it uh yeah so uh i think a lot of the future plans for kotlin on our team are certainly to continue to write all our new android code in in kotlin um i mentioned previously experimenting with a, a microservice on the web with uh, in our hackathon. Uh, Simon has talked about experimenting with uh, Kotlin and Kotlin React Native. Um, and I think it's, it's really, I'm very happy with the language from an Android development perspective, and I would love to see it grow organically around the company to give people an alternative to Scala if uh, they're not yet trained on Scala. I think the barrier to entry is significantly lower. Um, so that's uh, that's kind of what I see as the future here at Hootsuite, just kind of growing beyond the Android team and continuing the Android team to kind of develop those best practices here at Hootsuite. Um, actually, Neil and I have been doing like a two-pronged approach uh, at our company. Um, so Neil founded our Kotlin Guild uh, that we meet uh, every two weeks at Hootsuite. And it's kind of like a, more of a techie kind of uh, approach um, to kind of spreading uh, Kotlin. Uh, while I'm kind of talking with like kind of the developers and uh, the other directors and development managers inside other teams to talk about Kotlin, kind of bring it up and to find a way to see if there's a possibility to experiment on one of their services. Uh, that's why we wanted to, we're talking about services from our perspective that, oh, we want to try out. And the React portion is just something that we're thinking about um, to try to see if it's actually worth it to increase more development on our mobile, on our mobile platform. But we're not exactly sure on that. We still have to experiment. I would be really interested in the feedback regarding the whole uh, Kotlin with React, right? It, it kind of feels like, you know, if instead of JavaScript, I might as well throw in some Kotlin there, right? I mean, why not? Essentially, it's the same thing in a way, right? Yeah, it is. And that's actually kind of the one of the, uh, let's say, a contentious, but a very kind of supportive contentious point that Neil and I have, because uh, we're not uh, big particular fans of JavaScript. Um, and we really like the nature of strong typed uh, languages, being able to know things at build time, that things run really well. And especially the DSL nature that you could have with uh, Kotlin as well, too, that we're like, okay, it seems like an extra, a lot of extra layers in between, just so that we can get something that we want. So we're trying to see. It's a, it's it 
it's an idea and i would love to uh, talk about it afterwards once we like kind of experimented with a few things and i doubt we're gonna put something into production right away with it because we're just kind of new to it uh to that particular realm well if you guys do do something with that i would love to have you back on the show and we should discuss that you know how was your experience what were the good things what were the bad things so that would definitely be great sure well it was great having you on the show we have to wrap up because we're out of time but once again thanks a lot to both of you for coming and i do hope to see you i don't know if you guys have plans to go to uh, kotlin conf but i really do hope that uh, we get to meet there we were joking about driving a whole team down in an rv so you might see us all down there oh that would be absolutely awesome <laughs> so thanks very much for having us on thank you thanks, take care